Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Tell It Abs It Is podcast is sponsored by DraftKings Sportsbook. Football is right around the corner. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And with the NFL returning, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when you bet $1 or more on any football game. That's right, you're hearing this correctly. All you have to do is head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 or more on any week one game to receive $200 in free bets instantly with no strings attached. And if DraftKings Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. And for week one, DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at a $1 million top prize because nothing adds to the excitement of watching a game quite like having a free shot at $1 million. So what are you waiting for? There is no reason to not be all over these offers from DraftKings for week one of the NFL, which is coming up way sooner than you think. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place just a $1 bet on any football game and get a free shot at a million-dollar top prize with your first deposit. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I am your host, as always, Griffin Youngs. Hope you enjoyed your weekend. We have gotten down to the end of the summer as most colleges like mine will be returning or have already returned if you're unlucky enough like several people I know. But if you're like me, 
School is probably starting up within the next couple days or so. I will be starting my junior year of college on Tuesday. So this is my final episode with nothing but free time in the world. Next, From here on out, it is balancing schoolwork and podcasts, you know, all that fun stuff. But this schedule is going nowhere. We will be continuing nonstop twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays with out fail and we're almost in september and in september there will be hockey games played even if they are just preseason games i don't care i'm not picky at this point in the offseason i'm just excited to talk about some real hockey again and we've already got news for thursday's episode that will obviously be coming up next but for today the focus of today's episode will be continuing our conversations around the central division, this time with who I believe to be the most interesting team from this offseason now that most of the dust has settled, and that is the Arizona Coyotes. I brought on Corey Crenshaw and Richie Flores from the Sporty with Corey and Richie podcast covering the Arizona Coyotes, and as I'll discuss with them and as you'll soon hear, I wanted to talk to them pretty much more than anybody because the Coyotes, as we know, have been in the news a lot for some of the moves that they made. Obviously, they're connected to us with the Kemper trade, and as I talked about with Jeffrey Fink last episode about the arena situation, they're getting kicked out of their arena at the end of the year, and to be quite frank... I, I mean, I had some opinions with Jeffrey last week when we talked when we were talking about the Stars and ended up somehow talking about the Coyotes. I had some opinions that they took note of, and to be quite frank, they, they educated me on the situation, and that's exactly what I wanted. I wanted to learn more about what was going on here with the Coyotes, and I think this was a very informative conversation about a team that really doesn't get a ton of attention outside of people just kind of making fun of them, as they'll talk about on there as well. But the Coyotes obviously are not taking this year to win. They have obviously our first round pick and their own and five first round or second round picks after that already. They are tanking this year. The expectation is that it's going to be a couple years of pain, but they have some important insights on the future of this Coyotes team, what an arena will look like in the future, and they have no expectation that this team will be anywhere but Arizona in the near future. And I thought it was an excellent conversation. Two very, very well-informed people, both Corey and Richie, some of the, quite frankly, some of the smartest people on the entire Hockey Podcast Network. They they know their shit when it comes to the Coyotes. I mean, I, I almost felt unqualified even talking to them to an extent because I obviously I have opinions about the Coyotes, as you heard last episode with uh, Jeffrey. And I was, I'm listening to them talk, and I'm like, man, I am dumb. <laughs> That's They made me feel like, wow, I really truly have no idea what I'm talking about when it comes to the the Coyotes, at least, but a very well-informed conversation with them. And when we talk on Thursday, we'll be caught up on the, the offer sheet drama that's been happening around the NHL. No avalanche news to speak of recently. I mean, it's, it's August, guys. There's, no, there's nothing going on outside of this 
once in a blue moon offer sheet with the the Hurricanes and the the Canadiens with Jesperi Kokaniemi. But we'll talk about that when I record on Wednesday and when the next episode comes out on Thursday. But for now, I hope you guys enjoyed the the conversation with Richie Flores and Corey Crenshaw of the Sporty and Richie podcast. And I hope, like me, you learn a thing or two about what's going on with the the Coyotes because as they've mentioned on there too, they, they feel like they don't really get to express their side outside of their show all that often and the Coyotes just kind of end up being a laughing stock sometimes because people don't really care about what they and their fans have to say at certain points so hope you guys enjoy the conversation again like usual it's about an hour long and I will talk to you guys once that is concluded all right I am joined by Richie Flores and Corey Crenshaw of the Sporty with Corey and Richie podcast covering the Arizona Coyotes guys how are you doing today doing good um I mean I, I think Richie's probably going to be a little bit more hyped than I am, considering the fact that he sent me um, <laughs> while I was going to pick up my, my boss of all people. I had to fit your guys's show in because of uh, the last like 10 minutes there were just absolute fire against our Arizona Coyotes. So uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point, but I feel like Richie's just been quiet in our like pre-talks before the show because he's just been waiting to pounce. <laughs> I've been I've been looking forward to having you guys on much more much more than anybody. I've been trying to wrap up uh having everyone on from the Central Division get their takes on the upcoming season and what they ultimately think is going to happen, but I've wanted to get you guys on the most because I am fascinated by the Coyotes and everything that has happened with them even before the stuff with the arena happened just with the direction that they're going. I think in the in a way they had the best offseason of any team considering a lot of the bad deals that a lot of teams handed out and considering the direction that Arizona's going, I think they did really well, but I really wanted to get your guys' take on essentially everything that's happened with the coyotes. I, uh, yeah, you, you know, I, first of all, still really weird that you said uh, central division. Um, Corey and I are still getting used to that. I am uh, too. Trust me. And it's going to be like, I, I wonder, Corey, how many times do you think on our show this year when we were talking about the Coyotes that we're still going to refer to them as being in the Pacific Division? I have a feeling it it's going to be quite a bit. It can't be worse than the NHL calling them the Phoenix Coyotes still since yeah. all of these years that they've been the Arizona Coyotes. Mm-hmm. I I actually uh, joked with Isha and told him that they should start doing like a swear jar type of thing where they make the refs donate to charity every single time I say Phoenix Coyotes. That's a great idea. You get a ton of money from that. Exactly. It still happens a couple times every season where a referee will call them Phoenix. doesn't happen as much as it used to. It used to happen all the time back five, six years ago, but now it happens still once, twice a year. And I just laugh every time. Um, I think some referees have even stopped calling them Arizona or Phoenix and just call them the Coyotes now. <laughs> too yeah to avoid I think, I think the situation altogether yeah they just <laughs> they just lump it all together it's like yeah it is but the thing is it is it's the whole thing in arizona you can just generalize it be like yeah it's in arizona somewhere the coyotes phoenix same thing at the end of the day right exactly. well that's the thing that we've always joked about is the fact that they've been located in glendale for you know over a decade and they have 
and then they moved to Arizona Coyotes to kind of encompass all of Arizona. But the only thing that people really, I think, for the longest time knew about Arizona was either Phoenix or Scottsdale. And so um, when people would say the Phoenix Coyotes, they, I think they genuinely thought Arizona was just Phoenix. Yeah, honestly, as, as someone who's lived on the East Coast my entire life, I've got to say guilty as charged with that. But like to, to be honest, in a way, like if you think about the way Phoenix is laid out is essentially if you say you're from Phoenix, you're basically like Corey and I from Phoenix. Yes, but we're from the outlying suburbs, which include pretty much every other massive city. So like your Scottsdale's, your Tempe's, your Glendale's where I live. Corey lives in North Phoenix. Like it's essentially just all one big thing. And I'm pretty sure like when you saw, I think it was Corey, it was earlier this month where um, the census data was released and Phoenix was the fifth most populous city in the entire country. Like, cause most, I feel like most people live in the suburbs of Phoenix more than just like the actual, actual city limits. <laughs> well, and it's because they're so close. Like it's really easy for you to just um, like, where um where i was born and where my fiance lived when we were dating in high school um i lived in north phoenix and he lived in like a, a very heart part of glendale and it was only a 15 minute drive so you would go and in order to get there you would go through peoria which is the weirdest thing ever you would start in north phoenix go through peoria and end up in glendale and it was only a 15 minute drive so it's a weird, complicated way, the way they've all put it together. But yeah, we always just say like the greater Phoenix area, even <laughs> or even in the whole state as a whole, we always just say the greater Phoenix area. But yeah, we are now the fifth largest and we are coming and nipping on the heels of Houston, which is one of the reasons why everyone, you know, wants to say, oh, Houston should get a team while uh, we're starting to get there and be closer to overtaking Houston um, as more populous so they can kind of suck it there. Yeah. And I guess that can kind of lead into the conversation. I'll leave it up to you guys. Do you want to jump into everything that's happening with the arena and the coyotes right away? Or do you want to discuss maybe the rebuild that's happening first and all the moves that the coyotes have made over the last few months? I'll leave that up to you guys. I say, I let's like just dive right in. together. Let's dive right into it. All right. So dive right in. That's the hottest topic we got answer, going. So answer this for me. As someone, you guys know far more about the Coyotes than I do. That's no debate. Just answer me this. What the hell's going on? Just plain and simple. Just explain it Explain it to me like I'm a little kid. What the hell's going on in Arizona? So, um, yeah, basically, um, uh, the city of Glendale has essentially where the Coyotes currently play, where Healer River Arena is. They've been there now since 2003. Um going on almost 20 years now, which is kind of wild. But um, the city of Glendale, at some point, once they got their new city council and their new mayor was like, you know, um, we don't really like you guys, so uh, you can't stay here anymore. So the Coyotes and the city of Glendale, once the um, Ice Arizona group came in and bought the team back in 2013, they bought the team with the new 15-year lease on the arena, okay? And that city council at the time was different. 
So they had that lease done. And it was it was over with. Uh, I went to those city council meetings and and listened to people and and taking comments from people. If you go back in time, Kyrie's fans kind of laugh at some of the people that showed up there. There was a guy quacking like a duck at one point. It was hilarious. It was like you know how people at city council meetings now are are uh, a little bit crazy over COVID. Well, originally that started, I think, with the Coyotes city council meetings. But I digress. So they had a 15 year lease. And the city of Glendale got a new city council in there. And for whatever reason, they decided to break that lease. And once they broke that lease, the city of Glendale, that's when things started to go off the rails and their relationship just went haywire from there. So there have since been two more owners to come in and buy the Coyotes. Um, There was Andrew Barraway there for a bit and now Alex Marullo. And uh, a lot of this to me is on Glendale. They're the ones who broke the lease, not once, but now twice now. And um, and I, I, I don't know what their reasoning is. They have some weird stinky dinky math going on. Like I, we were talking about on our show, Corey, about how Glendale thinks they can make up for the revenue lost from the 43 dates by putting in just 20 dates with 10,000 people, which just blows my mind. Um, so if you're looking for someone to blame, it's mostly the city of Glendale to blame here because they were the ones breaking the lease. Because if you look at the counties as a whole, their attendance, the last full season they had before COVID shut down, close to 15,000 people were going to games. So people were showing up at games because the team was starting to play better. They were starting to play an exciting brand of hockey. They were a likable team. And, and then the Glendale was like, nah, you can leave, you can go. So city of Glendale here to me is, is, is to blame. And it just leaves the Coyotes in an awkward situation. However, um, there are some good things on the horizon here coming up. We're expecting really in the next less than a week away, we're expecting the Coyotes to put in a plan to build a new arena in on the east side of Phoenix, kind of like we were, where we were just talking about, where most of the people live, where you're more, I don't want to say richer. Hockey's a rich white sport, but more of your part, your corporate More partners. affluent. Yeah, you're affluent people who are more going to be more apt to buy hockey tickets because they are expensive, live. And that's where they're planning on building their new arena. So that's where we are right now is the city of Glendale uh, basically effed over the team at this point and put them into an awkward situation. Um, and uh, Corey and I are um, a little on the edge of our seat here. So what's going to happen next? <laughs> And certainly has sparked a few rumors of relocation, as I'm sure you guys are plenty used to dealing with over the last decade or so. I even when I had uh, Jeffrey Fink of What a Hockey on my show to discuss the stars last week, it somehow, as you guys talked about, digressed into a bit of a flame on the coyotes and everything that's happening there. So I'm interested after hearing his perspective as someone who lives in Texas and and wants another Texas team in Houston and now getting your guys' perspective on what's actually going on in this situation. I did not know about this new plan to put a city in. Where did you say it was going to be again? It's going to be in Tempe. So it's going to be right, um, right off the freeway actually. So it's very easily accessible from people who um, live in Scottsdale as well, which is where actually um, the coyotes, when they're not practicing at Gila river arena, they're practicing in North Scottsdale. Um, and then, you know, um, Shane Doan, his, his son, um, played for, uh, Kaha, which is up there as well. And that same rank. And that's also where Shane Doan was coaching and stuff like that. And then there's also an old, uh, NHL player who, 
uh, coaches for one of the teams down in like Gilbert. So it's kind of sandwiched in between the two. And um, it's, it genuinely is where kind of the more affluent people are and is also where um, in, in very close proximity to ASU and where um, ASU's um, arena is going to be as well. So it's kind of a perfect storm of all of the people that you would typically see at these games. Um, basically a much easier drive for them because there was a freeway that was built in between like Mesa, Gilbert area. And that's, you know, it's, it's growing pretty exponentially right now. And it, so that freeway made it much easier for people to go from the far east side to the west side. But in all reality, like I work in Scottsdale and then I was working Coyotes games. It would take me a solid two hours in traffic just to get to Coyotes games. And I was supposed to be, you know, starting work before the game. And I wouldn't even show up until game time from the time I got off work to when I could get there. And that's where you have problems when there's a hockey season that is constantly having day games. Those people can't get off work early enough to get to those games on time. Right, exactly. And it's and that's your job at that point to get to the arena. Imagine it's just you're trying to get there for fun. Like it's got to just be a thing like, well, why would I even bother at that point? And then that shows up in attendance. And then you have outside fans like myself and other people, especially up in Quebec, who want a team up there looking at that being like, see, no fans. They need to move the arena and everything. It's just this is why I wanted to get you guys on here to get your like actual insights on what's going on with the Coyotes, because just from this 10 minute conversation so far, I can say I've already changed my tune here and that they'll have another arena and a much better area for fans and be able to, to move them in there and everything. But at the end of the day, the, the coyotes are now going to be entering into another rebuild and trying to get another top pick and trying to basically build this team back again. And to their credit, they've done a very good job so far this off season we obviously did the the Kemper trade, which we'll talk about a lot more in a little bit. And they've also got five other second round picks. But the problem here is that this upcoming season for the Coyotes does not look all that bright. And they're also getting kicked out of the arena at the end of the season. Is this just going to have to be a season of, of pain that you're going to have to deal with for this season for, for, greener pastures in a few years or what's the expectation here? Go ahead, Corey. Um, so I, I think this is actually kind of funny because we've always kind of joked off um, um, our show and the fact that we felt like this was kind of the, the Colorado model of like how to basically uh, turn and burn a team like very quickly, how to just kind of make them absolute shit from the bottom and, and build them back up. And uh, the fact that we've gained so many draft picks in this, I, I think it's honestly the best situation that could have come out of um, where the Coyotes were at. It's funny because um, Richie and I, like, uh, we always joke around about the fact that, you know, we get so feisty over all the like commentary that people talk about the Coyotes, but it's largely because of the fact that like, you know, it's like that, unless you're inside the relationship, you don't really know what's going on unless you're here and you're actually experiencing it. It's very hard to understand what's going on here. And, um, this team was heavily screwed over by, by Chica and it, it went through a 
a weird phase in between where you had Don Maloney, who, who was the GM before, and he was very um, traditional old school hockey guy, you know, boys club, kind of the way that he did everything. And it was very much according to that type of vibe. Then you brought in Chaika, who was the youngest GM and um, that the, the NHL had ever seen. And he went, strati- he went off of uh, statistics only. And he was really just looking at all of everyone as a number. We didn't particularly like that as, as people. And, you know, like Richie's more of a numbers person than I am. But in, in the long run, we, we kind of feel like you need a nice balance of both. And I think we're finally starting to get some of that um, now that we have, um, now that we have a new GM in and, and the way that he's looking at it is from a, a standpoint of being able to really build this team um, holistically and really be able to get all of the um, from the ground up. I think there was a lot of um, missed up there for a while. The last two years, they've been trying to fill up this team from an NHL level and haven't really been looking at it from, um, you know, a prospect level. And now that they're doing it this way, it's going to really kind of be able to get them to see what they have and really prepare these players to fit into the team the way they wanted them to. There's always something slightly missing. That's why this team was mediocre the last couple of years. And then they got screwed over by the fact that, that Chaika decided to do what he did and, and not follow the rules and then ended up getting some draft picks taken away in the process as well. So this had to happen. It's, I know it seems from the outside a very strange situation and it looks like the Coyotes are in a really shitty situation, but in an odd way, this is where we want them to be because this is the perfect place for them to be for them to have success later. Um, it was interesting on that um, on, on your podcast as you were talking about how it went into a, a deep thing about fans and all these things. I have said on our podcast that it really isn't smart for this team to be shitty for the next couple of years because of the fact that they need ticket sales and the fact that this team needs revenue after COVID. But now that they're not going to be in an arena that's going to seat as many people, it actually might be beneficial that this team is going through a rebuilding stage and is going to be kind of going through a a really shitty phase for a little while here because one, you don't have to fill as many seats. And, and two, there's probably going to be fans that are going to go to these games anyways, because they want to support the team going through such a rough time. So it's actually an odd storm that may work in the team's favor. That's a very interesting point. That's some, that's something I did mention on my last show is that the Coyotes going into a rebuild right now, while I think it is ultimately a good thing, it was just kind of poorly timed, but not to any fault of their own with, between COVID and losing out on revenue and with just not being able to draw fans in. But that's an interesting point with like, the arena's going away anyway. And before you're in wherever you're going to be next, you'll already have a year of being bad and tanking and getting that high pick and all these draft picks already under your belt. So you can already start to build a new exciting team already at that point in the future. And like I've said, I think they did a great job this off season with not, not even really tearing things down, but just acquiring a mass of picks by just being essentially what I think Arizona kind of turned into this offseason what people expected Seattle to be mm-hmm. as kind of the expansion team and eating up all these uh 
these cap hits and everything. I think the Oliver Ekman Larson trade is probably going to age as one of the best trades in a while, especially for Arizona, just taking on all those, those one year deals, getting the ninth overall pick and another second round pick in this upcoming draft. Wow. Dumping almost the entirety of Ekman Larson's contract and trading Garland, who seemed they didn't really have much interest in keeping from what I understand. I think that's a, a masterclass from Armstrong and, We'll get into it a little more later, but the Kemper trade as well was very, very well done by him. So with the work that they've done so far, I'm quite frankly impressed. Yeah, it was uh, Corey and I have talked about it so often on our show. And we actually, I think it was Corey, I think it was on the most recent episode that we did where I think ESPN gave out their rankings for teams off seasons and ESPN gave the Coyotes an A. And I, I tend to agree with that. I, Bill Armstrong nailed it. Like that, I've talked about it on our show and it's something that I think Colorado did too very smartly when they went through their really quick turnaround rebuild, which is you can't like half-ass a rebuild. You either got to do it or don't. You can't be in this central, this medium where you have a, a roster that is young guys and older guys, kind of like what they were the last couple seasons. Like you just got to start from scratch. And that's basically what they're doing. And you nailed it too, Griffin, with the fact that they're going to lose a bunch of these other one-year contracts next season. And that's a smart move. You're just basically just filling the roster with guys, which is why I was cool with the Oliver Eckman Larson trade. I was like, they got rid of that fucking contract. Like, God damn it. That was a, I want to go to and buy, like buy Bill Armstrong every dinner imaginable. Cause I've been on that bandwagon for two freaking years now that the Cowboys need to get out of that contract as soon as possible because it was so bad. And I cannot believe the Canucks were stupid enough to take on that deal because all and pay just, the ninth overall pick for that. I, exactly. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe that they pulled that off. I mean, granted, what was basically happening there was two, essentially two separate trades right. in one. Yeah. So they is basically Connor Garland for the ninth overall pick. But yeah, the fact that they packaged everything together and they managed to get uh, a nice young player with a ninth overall pick it is is genius. And I don't know what the Canucks are trying to do there because. Um, they're going to regret that contract in about two years. Um, um, we're going to miss Connor Garland. He was a fun player to watch. He was probably maybe the one or two, maybe the second best player on the roster the last couple seasons behind Jacob Chikrin. And, and you guys seen throw Darcy Kimber into the mix too. But I, like other than that, like, yeah, I, Bill Armstrong nailed this. This is what you do in a rebuild. You dump all of your vets. You try and bring in as many assets as possible. And they're doing it at the right time too. Because from what I understand, the 2022 draft – and the 2023 draft are supposed to be really good yes. as opposed to this year, which was, I think uh, maybe it was you Griffin or maybe it was somebody else who was, who was talking about, I don't remember at this point, all the hockey podcasts and a blend together at some point, but um, it was that, you know, this previous draft in here in 2021 was kind of a crapshoot because the scouting was so fucky. Right. Yeah. So Bill Armstrong loading up on draft picks like this is for a draft. That's going to be really good. is great because it gives him so many options, right? He can, uh, go and trade for a, a maybe a, a younger player who wants out from another team to try and build around a certain player. Like for just, for example, like a Mitch Martin or somebody like that. Like if he wants to do that, he can go and do that. Not that I'm saying the coach should do that, but just to give an example, he can move all those second round picks to go get another first round or like so many options. That's how you rebuild a team. And, uh, and in addition, they do have some good young players coming up too. Right. I mean, they have Victor Soderstrom coming up. Um, still know what Barrett Hayden's going to, ha- what's going to happen with him, but they do have, still have some players on the rise and, uh, and 
it sucks for now. Like Corey was kind of mentioning, like this next year or two is going to suck really bad. But we're hoping that like Colorado, with those draft picks, when they were able to get Nathan McKinnon and Gabriel Landeskog and Keel McCarr, that's what the Coyotes are hoping to do. And they're on the right track of doing that right now. That's for sure. Yeah, and as you look at the the Coyotes and what they've done so far, I'd I'd argue they're not even close to to done with this because as as I was talking about with uh, with Jeffrey on the last episode, they have thirteen expiring contracts at the end of the year, and some of these guys also may be getting dumped at the trade deadline as well for more picks. Like for example, Phil Kessel expiring mm-hmm. at the end of the year, he could fetch a, a second or a third round pick depending on how he performs this season. It's quite underratedly good last year as the the avalanche ran into him a few times last year but i'm i am quite impressed with what they're gonna have to do but my own my only hang up here with the the coyotes i want to i know i want to know what you guys think of this is that if this fails if this rebuild doesn't work because the, the easy part is having the picks and having a, a bright future but those actually have to pan out and then you got to win once that's done my concern is that the Coyotes might be gambling with their their franchise here. If this doesn't work and we fast forward, let's say five, six years down the line and the Coyotes are even just okay, they're fighting for playoff spots. Like I think the Coyotes need to be good coming out of this. And if they're not, I would worry about the integrity of the franchise and maybe then relocation could become an option because if they if they're still not winning because winning solves everything like if the coyotes were were winning last season and winning the year before we wouldn't we wouldn't be in the spot right now but i would worry that in a maybe half decade or so if things aren't panning out maybe the dangers that people have made fun of the coyotes for could become a little more realistic what what would you think of that so, so you, if, if you were a person who really just invested into something and then you were like, you know what, I'm going to invest in this some more and really just save it because I believe in it that much, or would you give up on it just because a team hasn't been phenomenal in, in the past couple decades, a couple of, um, couple of seasons? Cause that's essentially Batman has reinvested in this team. He has announced to everyone that he has, um, he is all in for this team. He's saved this team before and he has announced it. He's put his own skin on the line saying that, that they're not moving. This is, so you're saying if they're not, um, you know, a, a Stanley cup contender in the next, what, five years that he's just going to change his just mind. An example, but yeah. I, I just I just don't think that's really valid from a point of um, of, of an ego standpoint of Batman and, and the fact that I've ever the way that he has really been looking at all of this team in general and the way that he wants it to be they want he wants them to be here. They've been here since '96 and they have had really great seasons. We haven't really had a great season since the the 2011 2012 where they were um, Pacific Division champions and but they still have had solid seasons and solid fan bases and and the whiteouts here are are phenomenal I think people don't think about it in the same way that you think of an original team and the fact that they go through these like long slumps as well but they have been around for so long and they've had the ability to be so great and so bad that people don't really notice that as much you know and it's certain things too like 
Um, I, I think in teams like say like the Islanders and the fact that, you know, you're, you're in a shitty place with fans, shitty uh, arena to be playing in, but it's never really like, oh, well, they're going to be going here, going there, going everywhere because of the fact that it, they're, they're an East coast team. And that's what I think a lot of times too, we always harp on that like West coast bias in the fact that or the East coast bias and the fact that uh, us over on the West coast, we kind of get screwed in a lot of different ways but we also get screwed in the fact that people don't think of us as a hockey town and the the growth of Arizona has been so much in hockey over even just my lifetime and being able to you know like my fiance when he started playing hockey as a kid he his like they had to do 45 minute drives just to go play hockey and just to do their practices and now you have over 10 rinks in the Valley. And so this is, these are the things that um, are really growing here in Arizona and it's becoming such a bigger thing. You have Austin Matthews who is coming out of Arizona. So you have these really star players coming out of Arizona because it has that prosperity. And if you take that team out of here and then um, essentially on the um, on, on your last podcast, as as uh, as the stars guy was saying, was basically that you know then to move. Um, I think he's saying to move our, our road runners over to San Antonio as well. First of all, you're putting all of your eggs in a Texas basket, and you're hoping that that basket works. And you're forgetting this entire market here that has spent so much time growing and developing and creating its own character. And in the end, what this team has always needed has just needed stability. And because the the dedication from the fans and from the market here is, is actually there, it's just also in the fact that, you know, the NHL in itself also needs to help brand itself some more in the U.S. as well because of the fact that, when you are in Phoenix, we have a, a massive market of sports from everything from the, you know, the big four sports to all of the, the little ones, even like, you know, I don't even know what, it, what Richie, what is the Phoenix rising? They're like a, they're a soccer team of, I don't know what the league is. Yeah. They play in the USL championship league, which is essentially like the triple A to the MLS. Is the way yeah. I would describe it. That is the first and, time I've ever heard of that, but I guess much to your point there. <laughs> but that's the thing is they we have between that and and the and the rising and we have arena football, um, and we have uh, Phoenix Mercury. We have so many different um, iterations of the main sports and smaller versions of them, and the fact that there's a lot of choices of of places that you can be going to watch sports in the Valley and the fact that they do get such good um, attendance in that is good. But I think part of this burden is always going to be on the NHL to try and get um, hockey in the U S to be at the same level that, you know, football and baseball and basketball are because of the fact that, when you put them into markets where they have all these different choices, you want people to choose hockey and Arizona has done everything individually on their own to try and make that work. That's point of the NHL to try and keep that marketing just as high. And I think 
them moving to ESPN actually will probably help with that in the, in the close future. Yeah. I think, I think those are all very, very good points that some, something like someone like me and other people that don't usually pay attention to a market like Arizona would ever really realize because that, because that's the thing when people bring up relocation, it's not just as simple as picking up a team and just dropping them in Houston and everything's fine. You're, you're ripping away a team that's been there for decades from very loyal fans. And we might not always get to see those loyal fans when the arena is just very out of the way. And you look at, you turn on a coyotes game and you're like, ah, arena's empty. They have no fans. And it's just, you never, I never want to see that happen. I don't ever want there to be a day where the coyotes are ever moved. And especially now that I'm hearing you guys talk about this and the more intricate details of the situation, I now believe that they won't be moved, especially with the the new arena uh, eventually on the horizon. And pretty much what I'm thinking now is just get, like Richie was saying earlier, just get through the the next year or so, find um, a new arena temporarily until the, the other one is eventually built. And based on what I've seen from Bill Armstrong and the moves that he's made so far, I think I can buy a future where the Coyotes can be good down the line and like you said Corey, stable which is what they need more than anything is just stability not just sitting at the bottom and picking out other teams trash contracts for picks every five years or so but something to something to really for the city to to hang their hat on and be like you said stable which is what they need more than anything but on the topic of stability this new ownership is i believe the the sixth ownership that the the coyotes have ever had do you guys see this this one being a long-term ownership that's going to stick for decades down the line even like you see with plenty of other teams in the nhl i mean we've already had rumors as close as last season that the the coyotes environments under this new ownership has been toxic and not a great place to be and late on signing bonuses and arena payments do do you see that stuff getting sorted out or is this an ownership that might end up being replaced in a few years uh here's the yeah here's the unfortunate thing about that is i always make fun of the cardinals because the arizona cardinals because they've had the bidwells for 50 years right and nothing's really changed they're a joke of a franchise they've only had six winning seasons in 30 years and it's hard to change that type of culture. So when you mention that they've had that many owners in nearly 30 years, you tend to think that, well, I don't know if this is going to be the guy, you know, the last one. So if I had to answer your question, I'd say no. Albeit, I will give Alex Marilla credit in this. In this, um, You're right. The athletic article that Katie Strang put out it, um, was bad. I don't, I can't defend anything that happened there. The way Bill Armstrong treated Katie was disgusting. It was awful. It wasn't cool. It's bad. You know, Corey and I both know about the culture there. It's just not, it's not great. And I hope it gets turned around for goodness sake. But um, yes, I I, I don't know if Alex Miller is the answer, but I will give him credit in this. When he first bought the team, and this is something that you guys talked about on your show, where I believe your guest on the show was like, oh, well, they didn't really invest in the team. That's bull crap. They did. They were a cap team for two straight seasons for a reason. Very right? true, yes. They brought in Taylor Hall. They brought in Phil Kessel. Now it's Alex Marullo who signed the dotted line there to make this team that five years ago was trying to take on contracts just to get to the cap floor into a cap team. 
And that is a big difference, right? Because the word billionaire gets thrown around a lot with Alex Marullo, and that's true. And so I, I will always appreciate that, that the first thing he did when he came here is he intentionally spent money on the roster to make it better. And for the most part, they were better, but for whatever reason, they just it just didn't click, right? Yeah, it didn't click the- at the right time to the right moment. And they missed the playoffs at the end in the 2018-2019 season by just a few points to Colorado. They got beat by Colorado in the playoffs last year. And then this year, they just, uh, just flat out couldn't figure out how to play because Darcy Kemper got hurt down the stretch. So, yeah, to answer your question, I don't know if Alex Morello is going to be the answer. Unless they do get the arena built and finished, and maybe, because he's going to be the one spending the money on that. Unless he's the one that spends the money on that arena, then he's actually invested here for good. So we'll see. Yeah, and as you Could can I probably... expand on that for just a quick second? To kind of add on to that a little bit, it, it's it's interesting because the way that – where Morello came from initially is he was, you know, um, worked with it in his dad's um, – I think it was like a like a piece of business or something like that. And then um, right. he he now does, um, you know, radio stations, hotels, and, and that type of stuff. He's very much a businessman. And the way that he tries to run this team is the way he would run a business, which isn't necessarily the way that you should be running a hockey team. So from a culture standpoint and from a, a business standpoint, um, it's, it's probably not the best that he, he could be doing right now. And, and, and the way that his, his family and such is ha- handling a lot of these things. I don't think that particular part of it is good by any means. But I, I do think in a sense, in the way that Richie was saying it, that is, he is kind of the devil we need in the fact that he will invest in this team and he will be able to put the, all of the, the money forward that's needed for it. It's just going to go through a, a rough cultural um, swing for a little while until that evens out. But um, who knows, maybe if he invests enough now and then, um, you know, a new owner comes in later with a federal better cultural sense to it it may may benefit in the long run but uh, it's he's kind of the devil we need right now yeah it's it seems like it's kind of an up in the air situation that could go either way at least from an outside perspective but moving away from more of the the business side of it for a little bit just to generally wrap up this portion of the conversation how long do you think it's going to be until the coyotes compete for a Stanley cup or at least a playoff spot again. Cause that's, that's the most important part of the rebuild. You get all the picks, you get all the prospects, but you still got to build them up and be that team in the future. How long do you think that's going to be until the coyotes become a, a serious team again? I'd say 2024. Cause it's these, it takes a while for these prospects to, to, to cook and to, to, be NHL ready. And that's one thing that I hope they don't do. It's something that they made the mistake of under the Chica regime, which is when um, Dylan Strom was drafted, they brought him up to the NHL too quickly. They brought in Max Domi too quickly. They brought in Anthony Duclair too quickly. And it set them back to where we are now, essentially. It set them back several years. So I hope they're patient with this. And unless you're drafting um, Kale McCarr or you're drafting a Connor McDavid, or you're drafting a Sidney Crosby or an Ovechkin. There's no reason that player should be playing his first year in the NHL on a team that's going to be really bad. And case in point, Ross Mistaline 
when was the last time we talked about him as being an elite level player? He's kind of there. Before he was drafted. Yeah. He's Ever just, since he's just, came yeah, in. he's just kind of there. And that's what I worry. And I, I think Bill Armstrong is smarter than this. And it's something I'm, I really want to see this year. And Corey, I think this is an interesting discussion to have on our show too. So keep write a note about this, which is how do you want the younger players to develop? Because in my opinion, guys like your Victor Soderstrom's, your Ivan Prosvitov, who is the Coyotes prospect goaltender, and your guys like um, uh, Barrett Hayden, right? And these younger prospects, Jan Unique, others, um, who Jan Unique had a big uh, world championships. Um, so he's another big prospect for the Coyotes. Just keep them down the AHL for another year or two. What's the point of bringing these guys up to the NHL level and letting them rot away on a bad team? Keep them in the AHL and let them learn let them get better. And that's something that I hope we see from this team, at least this year, and at least maybe even the year after that. And it's going to take time. And we know that I'd rather have a, a team of prospects that's ready rather than trying to put them at the NHL level too quickly um, just because you need roster spots to fill out. So again, 2024 would be my pick, which if I'm not mistaken is also the year in which Austin Matthews can become a free agent. So the, how it nice all it aligns. I would not, Austin Matthews returns home. He pulls the John Tavares, open up the new rink. Oh, there you go. All See? the lines. You get the Shane Wright or the Connor Bedard and the one of the tank drafts. Austin Matthews comes home, new arena. It's, bas- it's basically a brand new franchise at that point. And speaking of draft picks and prospects, you guys have something from us in the future. You've got our first round pick that came via the Darcy Kemper trade that brought Kemper to Colorado in exchange for obviously our first round pick Connor Timmons and a conditional third round pick. And now the original reaction to that trade from Colorado was very polarizing because there were a lot of fans that wanted to keep Grubauer and felt like that we overpaid immensely for Kemper, which to an extent I think we did. But my opinion on the trade is that Kemper is a great goalie and like I said, Armstrong did a great job of managing his assets and holding both Colorado and Edmonton to the flames for Kemper so that one of them was going to have to be left without a goalie. But what do you think that Avalanche fans can expect from Darcy Kemper in this upcoming season as their starting goalie? Well, I think largely um, the only thing that Avs fans should really be annoyed by is the fact that uh, Colorado didn't try and do this before playoffs because that would have been so much more beneficial for the team. We, we Richie and I had said it on uh, a podcast that I, I feel like there was a little bit of, um, you know, they had kind of that fear of doing it too early and, and they should have, because I, I feel like it would have been beneficial in the end. I was on a, honestly rooting for the abs for the whole way. And so um, when it turned out the way it did, I, I was like, damn, they, they should have tried to do that earlier. Uh, we didn't want to lose Darcy for sure, but we knew that it was a, a, a great possibility that it was going to happen. Um, you know, uh, I, I was on kind of more of the side of, you know, try and hold on to him to try and save some of, uh, you know, like Prostatov and stuff, keep some of those uh, prospective goalies kind of some more time, not on an NHL level. But um, in, in the end, he's going to be very beneficial for you guys in the fact that he is very consistent. He's very level-headed. 
Um, you know, when it came to the Darcy Kemper Auntie Ranta show, it was fantastic, except for the fact that Auntie Ranta was hurt all the time. And so you had to have a goaltender like Darcy Kemper that came in and literally had to deal with every single game that came to him that was a big deal. And he couldn't, he couldn't take breaks. He couldn't mentally get too worn down because of the fact that the, the tandem that was supposed to be there just wasn't there for him. The only thing that I always, um, he's gotten injured a couple times himself. Um, that was always kind of worrisome. And the fact that he it almost appeared that he was starting to go down the Auntie Ranta end of, you know, um, consistently getting injured. And then the other thing was his inability to play consistently uh, against the wild. You know, I think that may be a thing that he is starting to get past. Um, I would hope he's starting to get past now. And the fact that, you know, he's been away from there for so long that that should be calming down to him. But one of the biggest um, issues that he had was um, before COVID hit and everything, um, that December before he was playing against the Wild, and it was an absolute, like, gong show of a game. It just there should not be that many goals are scored in a, a singular hockey game. And yet he was still kept in the game and injured himself in the process. Why he was so mentally out of it during that game. And the fact that he was still going that hard in a game that they were going to lose anyways. Um, it, it makes no sense to me outside of the fact that he cannot mentally withstand um, playing against the wild, the way that, that we would like him to. So that in itself is a, a little bit worrisome, but he's he's very consistent and um, is a really in all other aspects a very mentally tough player and um, you know uh, a good friend of ours, uh, Catherine Silverman. She is like our uh, goalie messiah, and she has a lot of of faith in him in a lot of different ways. So um, I think that would be a a great thing for you guys going forward. And I honestly think it'll be a, a really solid season for the Avs, honestly. Yeah. I've been, I've been looking forward to having Kemper be our star. I mean, I remember Kemper from back in the bubble, even though the Avs won that series in five games, the big storyline from that series was Darcy Kemper and just how good he really was. And the only real concern I have about him is his, his health, which and he was injured quite a bit last season. It was against the Avalanche, if I remember correctly, that he just kind of left the, the the crease at a certain point because he just couldn't go anymore. And Ranta came in. Am I, am I remembering this correctly? In like March or so, the Kyrie, yeah, he just left, was a, left yeah, he mid game. Left, yeah, to the Kyrie's yeah, I game, think but, that was a lingering injury. Of I yeah. can't remember if that one was a groin one. I I start to lose track of all of them between the all of the various Antiranta groin injuries and then the multiple injuries that he had so um but yeah he did he left in the middle of the game and because he had a, a lingering injury and he just felt like he couldn't finish the game yeah so I mean that's that's been my hang-up and mainly the Avalanche Nation's hang-up about Kemper is that if he does get injured we're kind of in a real shitty situation and Outside of that, if he does stay healthy, I truly, honest to God, have no concerns about his performance. He proved in Arizona that he was one of the best goalies in the NHL. Really, the only thing was injuries that 
held him back a bit. I, I thought for a while that Arizona had the best one-two punch of Kemper and Ranta in the NHL. And you add Aiden Hill into that mix, what they used to have in terms of goaltending depth. And I'd argue that Kemper in certain extents, if he plays to his best can be better than Grubauer was for us last year. And Grubauer was a Vesna nominee and for the, the circumstance that we were in, I think we could have done a lot worse. Yes, I still think we gave up a lot in that trade. I think you guys are going to enjoy having Connor Timmons on the, the Coyotes. The, only, like the, the, the thing with Timmons on the Avalanche is that he was just kind of stuck. I mean, you stick him behind Kale McCarr and Bo Byram, who's lapping him, and then Sam Gerrard and Devon Tays. You've got your entire top four laid out for at least the next three years. And then you had Timmons just kind of stuck in a third pairing role. I think you stick him in Arizona where he has a chance to play higher into the lineup and get more minutes every night. I, th- I think I can tell you guys that he's going to be a consistent second pair guy in the future maybe not like a top pair guy like Chikrin would be but at least like a consistent second pair guy that can maybe move up to that top pair if need be and especially on an under million dollar contract for this season and next uh you you guys did very very well in that trade even if Kemper takes the avalanche all the way to the Stanley Cup the, the Coyotes are still going to be getting uh, plenty of fortune from that, especially with the draft pick and the deep draft. But Timmons is a real big get for them. Well, also, the other thing, it... too, that's going to help Kemper is the fact that you guys actually have a D that can help him out. Very, very true. Yes, Kemper it says, no offense, but Kemper was facing a lot of shots in Arizona every single night, which I kind of theorized led to some of his wear and tear last year. The Avalanche analytically had the best defense in the league and quite few shots against we were, we were just talking about that that game that the coyotes won where kemper got hurt the coyotes had 12 shots on goal if i remember correctly and the avalanche had like 40 this was like the last of those games that the avalanche actually lost but just to that point i'm not all that concerned with kemper's injuries considering that he'll probably have a, a lighter load in front of him which would ultimately mean less wear and tear yeah, he's going to fit in perfectly there. You guys are going to love him. Uh, fans loved him here, um, and I, he's going to fit in great with Colorado playing behind that that blue line you guys got there. So, um, again, here's the thing, though. He has been hurt each of the last three seasons, and kind of like what I was talking about earlier in the episode, when you have a history of those sorts of things, you kind of have to, like, like write it in in pencil that it's going to happen. So right. if, unfor- it's unfortunate to say that, but I hope the Col- Avalanche have a plan for when Darcy Kemper does get hurt. Because if you're hurt for three years in a row like that, I, there's not a magic healing eraser pencil to like fix everything and, and play a guy for 72 games a season. Like that's really hard to do. So, but I am yeah. excited about, I am excited about Connor Timmons though. I have a feeling he's going to play in the top four this year because are you ready for the Coyotes blue line here? I, I was thinking about this this morning. Here's the Coyotes blue line that's currently constructed that they have under contract for next season. Uh, Jacob Chikrin, of course. Love the, that uh, guy. Yes. One, uh, future future Norse. Should have, won, should have at least been nominated for the Norse this year. Uh, we have Chikrin. We have Shane Goshtis Bear from uh, Philadelphia, who they acquired in trade. We have Ilya Labushkin. We have Anton Strawman. And we have Connor Timmons. Those are the five defensemen that are under contract with the Coyotes next season. <laughs> yeah. And Timmons, he's still plenty young at 22 years old. 
uh, just on the same breath as injuries. Timmons kind of got an unfair shake with concussions earlier in his career, which kind of prevented him from getting an earlier crack at the NHL. And then by the time he was really ready to go, I mean, by the end of last season, you could really see Timmons starting to come into his own. I'm talking like the final 10 games or so. It it looked like he had taken a jump in his game and was finally about ready to figure it out and start putting together some really good performances. But by that time, it was already Makar, Norris candidate, Devon Tays, another got Norris votes, Sam Gerrard, underrated defenseman. And then you've got, Bo Byram up, who's going to be lapping him as well as one of the top prospects in the league. It was just here. He was kind of stuck and I'm excited to see what he, he can do in Arizona. And just, you, you were kind of taking me down the path I was going to go next here anyway. And that is the, obviously things aren't bright in Arizona this season with the coyotes, but do you guys have any optimism of the sort that the coyotes are not going to finish last in the central? Do you think that there is a way that they can get out of that last spot. I'm not not trying to sound super mean, but do you think that there is do a it. way where do they it because can't... they're going to be the worst team in NHL this year? So I, I, <laughs> I think the Sabers might still be the worst team in the league, in my opinion. Eh, but yeah, so it's going to be it's going to be a redux of the 2014. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I was saying with Jeff. We've gone right back to the McDavid draft where the the Sabers <laughs> and Coyote. I hope I hope we have the same game in Buffalo where the Sabres fans are cheering for the Coyotes in that that. same game. I love that game with all my heart. I hope we get a rematch of that one. So so I have to see when they're playing this season. I would love that matchup so much. But anyway, do you see um, a way at all where the Coyotes can break out of there, whether it's teams in front of them falling apart or certain guys on the team surprising and being better than you expect? I mean... You know, people get lucky every once in a while. Um, I, I don't know how to say this in a in a way that outside of it's 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 going to be a, a shitty season. And if we're pleasantly surprised, then we're pleasantly surprised. But it, I just don't see them being that great. I don't think the team sees them being that great. Um, they've got a lot of shit to sort out, you know, on the arena front and on they're they're more worried about scouting than they are about the actual team itself right now so i i just don't think that that's it they're uh, i love how richie always says like they need to sit down in the ahl and cook but like they're really just going to be watching the bread rise. that's literally what they're going to be doing most of the season is just sitting there and watching those players cook and what goes on in on the nhl games i just don't think they're really going to be paying that much attention to outside of the fact of where it's going to um, land them, you know, for the possibility of, of a draft pick. I mean, lottery has not been a friend to the Coyotes. Um, a fifth is the closest we've gotten to the very front there. Um, so even if the Coyotes play terribly, it still may not help them in that situation, but um you know, there's players that we've seen them try and bring up prematurely, um, like like Barrett Hayton, as uh, Richie had mentioned earlier. And he was one that we thought, you know, they went through every single thing that you would think to have this kid be ready. They had him 
there for games that where he was being literally coached by the the players that were scratched that night and he was watching games he was sitting like up in the press area watching them being prepared getting in the locker room being around the dynamic of like just to get rid of the kind of anxiety of the hype of, of the NHL level and they were working um on on direct um systems that were going to relate for him moving up to the NHL and they were doing they're giving him the the best possible time and even when he came up he still didn't look even a third probably ready so they're very much concerned about making sure that these guys are ready when the time comes because um there's a lot of pressure on the line of making it all look good when the time comes and they may try and act all nonchalant about it but in all reality, that whole thing that Richie was kind of throwing out there and joking about, um, you know, Austin Matthews and whatnot, like about that time is when everything's going to be a big, here's our big unveiling. And right now they're just putting in, in the bricks and the groundwork to try and make the building beautiful in the end, you know? So I, I just don't see them being very good on a lot of aspects because they're just not focused in that avenue yeah and fair enough i guess there's there's always a chance it's the nhl sometimes you get lucky bounces who knows maybe carter hutton just hated buffalo so much and maybe now that he's out of there he'll save every puck he faces there's always a chance for something but i gotta ask this question i ask it to to every host i have on the show for the upcoming season i feel like i know the answer to this one but how do you see the matchups between the Avalanche and the Coyotes going for this season? I think it's going to be a ton of fun to watch Darcy Kemper play for the Avs. <laughs> that's that, that's going to be the, the, the best thing that's going to come out of it for the Coyotes. And, and all reality enough. is that we'll get to see Darcy Kemper play for a team that actually has a blue line, you know, yeah, it, I, there's bright sides and everything. There's always, there's always a bright side. And I get that. And do you get the sense that maybe there's a animosity between these two teams, between the playoff series and McKinnon with the, the helmet incident last year? Is there, is there anything to watch on that front? You think? I don't know. I feel like if there was any like animosity there there was a, a decent amount of animosity between uh the coyotes and the golden knights i felt like from last season there was yeah. a, a few different scrums there that that caused a few things there was you know um uh, a whole connor garland table topping someone issue and an icing that was or wasn't icing there was a lot of uh bitching back and forth on them i think there's a, actually oddly enough um, a, a decent am- amount of respect between uh, the Coyotes and the Avs and the fact that the Avs have had a, a good team, um, you know, over these past three seasons and like being able to see the, just the well-roundedness and the solidness of the Avs, I think is actually something that the uh, Coyotes are kind of trying to be in the future because um it could be a really kick-ass matchup soon as we start getting, you know, like two, three seasons down the road, it, it could be pretty solid. It might be, I, uh, I've, everyone's kind of probably seen it along Twitter by now. Cause I've got 
gone everywhere and, and bitched about the fact that the uh, Coyotes got moved to the Central Division for no reason other than the fact that they decided to put in two expansion teams and then move the Coyotes that already have enough shit on their plate, let alone moving divisions. But um, I and I so I haven't really been happy about that. But um, the Coyotes and Abs in the future, I think, will be really fun hockey to watch and how freaking cool will that be to be able to see like two teams that you know are on on the west coast that are relatively close locate location wise it's like a 12-hour drive there's like there's a there's a bit of a drive there but like to just have them be two powerhouses that are really evenly matched up just because of the fact that I feel the way I predict the framework of this team to be very similar to the abs in the future. Yeah, that could be a lot of fun down the line. And already is kind of a history being established between the playoff race and the actual playoff series in the bubble. So I can definitely see that in a couple years or so down the line, the abs and the coyotes being a bit of a thorn in the other side. And I, I hope that's the case. And I hope you guys are right about the the coyotes and the framework for the future. Cause I, I do truly want to see this team succeed. There are great fans in Arizona that deserve a lot better than what they've gotten over the last few decades or so. So I hope things ultimately do work out, but I think I have taken up enough of your guys's time so far today. So thank you both to Corey and Richie for coming on. If you guys want to take a second to plug your show and anything that you guys have been working on, go right ahead. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for having us on. And, and thank you for, uh, <laughs> for still having us on after I was calling you on, on Twitter there, just, no, uh, like to like to put a little bit of fun in there. Um, just because, uh, you know, we kind of have to, I feel like we're the only, uh, coyotes defenders on the network. So we've got to, we, I come around occasionally and, and uh, defend them out here, but, uh, uh, you can follow us on all socials um, at Corey Richie's show for about everything other than Twitter. It's at Corey underscore Richie show. And um, we drop our episodes same time. You know, you guys do every Monday and Thursday. And uh, you know, if you're ever wondering about the weird shit that's going on, we usually try and break it down pretty pretty well I, I would say because of the fact that it just there's a lot of shit all the time but it gives us a lot of great content so if you want to come and listen to our our craziness down here in the wild wild west um go over and listen to our show and thank you so much for having us on and letting us explain ourselves because I feel like not many people want to uh, let us explain ourselves they more want to just uh, take the assumptions they have and kind of run with them so uh, we really appreciate it Absolutely. And, and I thank you guys so much for coming on and for and educating me about this whole thing, because there's, there's only so much that you can learn from, from reading just the, the baseline articles that lay out the, the bare bones issues. And I, I feel like I really did learn something about this whole situation. And I feel like I've really changed my tune on the whole thing. And I'm rooting for the, the coyotes for this rebuild to work out and for this team to eventually have some success maybe even a stanley cup down the line and i hope that that stability eventually does come but thank you to both Corey and richie for for coming on and hope to see you guys again soon i believe we play in january is the first time we have a home and home 
and then once before the Olympics and once again a month after that. So no, no more eight times a season, but probably about, you consider it a home and home, it'll probably be like three separate meetings, which is honestly fine. I'm kind of tired of seeing all the same teams from the West division after last year. Yeah, I, I'm same here. I'm just, I don't know. I'm kind of tired of that entire dynamic altogether. It'll be nice to see everything just go back to normal for once. Yeah, I'm plenty, plenty excited for that. But hopefully we can have you guys uh, on the show again soon. Hope the season ends up going well for you guys. You find a new arena. And thanks again so much for coming on. Thanks for having us. And that was my conversation with Corey Crenshaw and Richie Flores of The Sporty with Corey and Richie podcast covering the Arizona Coyotes. Like I said at the beginning of the episode, that's a great show that they run over there. As I, I was as I was saying to them once we wrapped up, I take a lot of inspiration and ideas from a lot of shows around the, the podcast network, and their show is very organized, a lot of structure, a lot of good ideas that, uh, quite frankly, it's a podcast that I have learned a lot from when I make this show. So, be sure to go listen to them with the as the Coyote season progresses. I have a feeling that they're going to be an interesting team, even if it is for all of the wrong reasons. They have very level-headed and consistent analysis. It's not clickbait. It's not just outrage. And it's all very reasonable stuff. That's the word I was looking for. I couldn't think of the word reasonable for some reason. But it's all very reasonable, very smart and yeah, I think Arizona is going to be a very, very interesting team for all of the reasons that they have laid out there in the, the last hour or so of the conversation. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Tell It As It Is podcast. When I record again on Wednesday, I'll have, I mean, we'll hopefully have more details on what's going on with Yasperi Kokaniemi and the Hurricanes and the Canadians with that offer sheet but as of right now all we know is that Kokaniemi has signed it with the Hurricanes and the Canadians have one week to match it and maybe by then we'll have our answer by that point as to what the Canadians are going to do but I will save that conversation for Wednesday because I'm worried that I won't have anything else to talk about on Wednesday because I already used my rant on uh, the NHL games on the last episode, so hopefully we'll have some more, hopefully we'll have some kind of avalanche news to talk about, uh, but for some reason I doubt it, because it is the dead of the offseason. I'm shocked we have anything to talk about at all, least of all, an offer sheet, but we'll save all of that for Thursday's episode. That's going to do it for this edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Thank you once again to Corey Crenshaw and Richie Flores for joining me on the show today. And thank you so much once again for tuning in. As always, I have been your host, Griffin Youngs, and I will catch you all next time. Have a wonderful week, and if you're like me and returning back to college or at whatever kind of school you're going into, good luck. I will see you all next time. Have a wonderful week.